Hey, welcome to the Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We decided as a family to say yes to the call of God because how many know when you're out of disobedience, it's not a life you want to live. So we said, Lord, we're going to trust you in this new season of our life as our family, um, and we're going to lead by you. We're going to be guided by you, and you're the one that lights the road on ahead of us. So that's why we're super, super excited. We'll be, for those who are questioning, we'll be planted in um, Lake, Lake Worth, Florida, which is about an hour away um, at Anchor Church with pastors Teresa Blakeney and, um, still learning their names, Sean Blakeney. Um, they were actually executive Christ Fellowship pastors, and they felt the call that was very difficult on their behalf to say, hey, I want you to leave everything that you have, and I want you to plant a church, which to them was almost crazy. But how many know that God calls you to do crazy things, right? And then we felt the call to enter into that territory with them. So we're super excited for the life of Anchor Church, but we're even more excited for the life of TOC because we know that you guys are entering into a new season. And this is not a goodbye. This is God's ultimate plan to reach more lives. That's exactly what he's doing. If anything, he's just expanding territory. He's sending out, and that's what the church is. The church is to equip and then to what? To send out. And that's what, exactly what we're doing, and we're super, super excited. But let's get into the word. I'm going to take 15 minutes of your time, and just please open your ears to me. Please hear what God has been stirring in my spirit because I believe it's for you. You know, it it was very difficult. You can imagine how many times I wrestled about what I'm going to preach today. God, what do you want me to send to your people? This this is kind of a special day. You know, it it marks our timeline forever. This is life-changing, life-altering. What do I preach? What What do you want me to share I said, holy crap, that's not a spiritual word. (laughs) Oh, my God, what do I say? And he said, I want you to preach about your father. And I said, okay, I was going to do that, my father in heaven. (laughs) And he said, no, your father, I pointed you on earth. And I said, I can't preach about that. Like, he's not a Bible character. There's no Israel 2, chapter 3. (laughs) And he said, no, Brandon. He's your Abraham. And I said, okay. It was one of those, you know. And if I can title this, it it would be the title that he gave me that he sent from heaven. And it's to my Abraham. I want you to say that with me. To my Abraham. Now say it like you actually, you're here. To my Abraham. There it is. And it struck me, and I said, I can, how can I preach about my father? He is your Abraham. I want you to study Abraham because that is who he is in your life. And there are Abrahams sitting here that don't even know they're Abrahams. There are Abrahams here that the devil's trying to kill legacy. There are Abrahams sitting here that the devil's trying to kill your vocal cords. And you need to know the importance of your decision, the importance of your obedience, and let alone the importance of your legacy. You are not just some piece of crap on the street. You were not designed to work a nine to five job. You were not designed to build your empire. You were not designed to grab all the things of the earth because what profits a man if he gains the earth but he loses his soul. You are an Abraham. Say, I am a. Now, who is Abraham? Abraham was one of the most influential people in the entire earth. One of the most influential to even walk on the earth. He was a patriarch. He was a pillar of the faith. So much so that he's referred to as the father of faith. Now you can imagine how on earth did Abraham become the father of faith? Why is he so influential? Let me paint the picture for you. 
If we go all the way back to Genesis, and if you don't know where Genesis is, we're going to pray a little extra hard for you today. But finding out in Genesis, we have Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve come into the world. God creates them. He gives them all dominion of the entire world, but through their acts of disobedience, they disobey God, and sin enters into the world. And once sin enters to the world, there's a dispensation of evil. This just means that we once had a holy communion with God. We had a perfect relationship, a, a perfect communionship with the Father. But then because of their disobedience, sin was created. And out of the wages of sin is death. And death separated us from the Father. This was not God's intent, but it was his establishment of your free will. We decided to be disobedient. In doing so, we parted ways with God. And this angered God, and you can imagine it angered him righteously because he created all of this for us. He's like, I gave you a perfect love. We were perfect, but you still look for something more than me. Why was I not enough? And this angered him like a father righteously, so much so that he decides to flood the entire earth. And as he chooses to flood the earth, he finds grace over the life of Noah and a few others. And Noah, in his obedience, builds an ark and when he builds this ark it saves him and another generation to come from the flood that God had so righteously instilled in the world God floods the world because he wants to start anew but then he leaves a promise he puts the rainbow as symbolism yeah it's just not an Instagram picture it's there for a reason God used as a symbolism of his cover tree to earth saying that I will never flood I promise you I will never flood the earth again but you can imagine after all this happens, there's still an answer that needs to be, there's still a question that needs to be answered. And that is, what do we do about this thing called sin? Sin still exists. We're still departed from God. So you, I can imagine in this, it may not be in a biblical sense like verse to verse, but you can kind of create that picture that God's sitting in his throne looking at the earth and in all of his intelligence and all of who he is, he says, I've got a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plan redemption for my people. I'm going to pave a way so that they no longer have to pay the wages of death for their sins. I'm going to create a plan. Granted, this is thousands of years before Jesus even stepped onto the earth. Thousands, but God was already working outside of our time because he's the author of time. And he says, I'm going to create a plan and execute it one by one. And Abraham ends up being the very first chess piece moved for our redemption. The very first chess piece that God said, checkmate to the enemy. Because out of Abraham, when he was born 1,688 years after the flood, the moment Abraham was born, a lineage was created. Because outside of Abraham was people like Jacob, Peter, Paul, David, amazing movers of the faith came out of the lineage of Abraham. You know who else came out of Abraham's lineage? Christ. God was so intentional that he said, Abraham, out of your lineage, my son is going to be word to flesh. He can choose us to do amazing things like that. That's how humble our God is. <laughs> Abraham was a legacy. Now, how did he become this monumental pillar? How did he become this patriarch? What are the answers, Brandon? I want to be used by God. I, I want a legacy. I want to be able to, how do I, how did he do it? And it's funny because you read Genesis and you read the life of Abraham 
And he wasn't like Samson. He didn't kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. He wasn't like Peter preaching a fiery message on the day of Pentecost. He wasn't even like David, who's popular and known for slaying a Goliath. He wasn't any of those. You don't even see him healing the lepers. You don't see him, you don't, you don't see him raising the dead. So what did God see in Abraham? Simple, very simple, obedience. Abraham was obedient. He didn't kill a giant. He didn't kill a thousand men. He didn't heal the world. He was obedient. And God saw his obedience and said, out of you, a lineage of men will be born and they will be movers of the faith. In Genesis chapter 12 through 22, I don't want to give you all the verses. It's literally chapter 12 all the way through chapter 22. We find the snippets of how Abraham was obedient. When Abraham was called to leave his motherland, ironic, when he was called to leave somewhere he was comfortable, somewhere he enjoyed, somewhere that wasn't foreign to him, he did it. When God called him to build two altars, one in Bethel and one in Shechem, he did it in both. When God was called to change the name of Abram all the way to Abraham, ultimately changing his identity, he did it. And one of the greatest ones was Abraham waited years for a son. Years. Abraham and Sarah waited for the promise of God for years to the point that she was in her 90s when she gave birth. And I won't even get into that how incredible it was that the promise of God still stood in their life. And Isaac was born, so we can all agree, if you waited years all the way to your 90s, it was a miracle. Isaac meant something to Abraham. But God one day tells Abraham to sacrifice your son. So Abraham walks up, up to the mountain. He walks with his son, well prepared in his mind that I have to be obedient. But a side of him had a faith that said, I hope God does something. He lifts up the knife and he said, I'm going to go through with it because I love you, God, more than anything. And you gave me this son. And as soon as he was about to strike down on him, God said, stop, Abraham. I've provided a sacrificial lamb for you instead. Little does he know, foreshadowing 18 centuries, that God will one day provide a sacrificial lamb named Christ that instead of the place of Isaac, come on, somebody, because we would read this all the way in Genesis and wonder how can we serve a God who would be willing to tell a man who waited for his son to kill his son. But literally 18 centuries later, we expect and we see the same God do the same thing. But this time he went through with it and he said, my son will die, not yours. My son, come on somebody. That is the love of Jesus. Don't tell me we don't serve an intentional God when he does something 18 centuries later and his word still comes to pass. But we never talk about what Isaac saw. But before I go there, Genesis chapter 26, verse 4 through 5, and I want you to write that down. Genesis 26, 4 to 5. 20, Genesis 26, 4 to 5, because that's the only verse I'm going to reference because it is the one that God called me to preach today. And he tells Abraham, Abraham, 
I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give you to your offsprings all of these lands and your offering all of the nations all the earth shall be blessed because Abraham you obeyed my voice you kept my charge you kept my commandments you kept my statutes and you kept my law Abraham you won't even be able to count the descendants that will come from you but why God because Abraham you love me enough to be obedient follow me we're, we're getting somewhere God begins to speak to Abraham multiple times throughout his journey, telling him that out of you, I will create descendants, a race that will be devoted to God, that you will be the gateway for my word to become flesh. You will be this. And he constantly reminds him after he's being obedient. Now, we never talk about Isaac's perspective when Abraham took him up. You can imagine it kind of got awkward. When he's walking up with his dad, his, he knows. He's got to know he's special. How many are siblings? Just a few, okay. How many know there's a favorite one? There just is. There just is. If you're the favorite one, raise your hand higher. You know it is. Come on. Right? <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie. You can imagine. Abraham probably told Isaac the story. Son, we waited for you. Your mother's 96. She's old. She's life alert old. We waited for you. We waited for you for so long. Son, you were a miracle. And the word of God throughout Genesis says that Isaac brought joy into the tent of Abraham. They're just seeing his face because it constantly reminded them of the miracle of God and how his promise still stands. Is there anything in your life that just reminds you every time you see it? Wow, God is still true. I can tell you right now, every time I walk into my daughter's room, come on, the daughter I dreamed about when I was 15 years old, 10 years later, God gives it to me. I said, God, you are so good and she's pretty. Come on. So Abraham walks up with Isaac, and Isaac looks at Abraham, and he says, I don't see a lamb. I see, I see the sticks. I see the rope. I see the duct tape. I see everything here. I see the dagger. It's a big one, Daddy. You brought the big one. But I don't see the lamb. But could you imagine as Abraham grabs the love of his life, his everything, his miracle, and places him on the paddle to be able to sacrifice him and prepare him in this altar that he's prepared for God just to be obedient, even though he doesn't want to, it hurts him. It's the worst thing you can possibly ask a man, but it is the one thing God said, I want you to. And Isaac looks at the dagger and Abraham raises it. He's probably saying, Dad, I thought you loved me. What are you doing? But there came a point where when Abraham stops short of his chest and Isaac looks and sees the lamb that was once not there when they were on the top because he did not see it. And he realized an act of God just happened before him because of the behavior and the obedience of his father. He said, either my dad is crazy or he's got a crazy faith. Either my dad is crazy out of his mind or the God he serves is true. You can imagine just as that moment impacted Abraham, we never talk about how it impacted Isaac. Because Isaac watched the obedience of his father to the full extent that he knew his father loved him. You're willing to kill me? I need to serve that God. Huh? And Abraham 
instills this life of obedience to Isaac so much so that the word of God says that Isaac becomes a loyal, faithful follower to Christ. Not only a loyal, faithful patriarch of the faith, but he's also a loyal, loving husband and a family man. And after him, his descendants was Jacob. And Jacob had descendants of 12 sons and they become the tribe of Israel. It just kept going and going and going. From one to another, from one to another, from him to 12, from 12 to a tribe, from a tribe to a nation, from a nation to a people that we now call the men and women of God. All because Abraham was willing to lift up a dagger and look at the thing that he loved and say, I don't love it more than the God that gave. Come on, somebody. I want you to say that I don't love it more than the God that gave it. Did you know that statistically what you say only accounts to people 7%. 7% of what you say is what accounts to people. 38% accounts to how you say it. But 55% is accounted for what people see. 55% of what people see, Isaac saw. And that is why Abraham had a legacy. And this is not about family. Because within Abraham's lineage are people who aren't even considered family. People that they took aside and brought in to say, here is the way. And I tell you, one of those to me is my Abraham. Why? Because growing up, you know, I, I, how many always feel like someone's at the house at night, right? Am I the only one? No? Oh, man. Yeah, you're right. That's weird people. Every time, sometimes I'm sleeping at night, I'll hear a noise. I'm like this. Especially with a cop. I'm, just like, I'm like, mess with me. I love Jesus, but I got a Glock. But when I was younger, when I was younger, I would always hear noises in my house. And I wasn't married, so I couldn't tell my wife to go check. And, and I would hear noises. I would hear noises. Let's get past that one. I would hear noise. Too much truth is coming out. I, and, and I would hear noises and I'd like kind of sneak, you know, sometimes it feels like somebody's. You can sing that in church. Yes, relax. And I would start sneaking in and, and I'll look around. I'm like, what is that noise? And I'm scared. I'm opening bathroom doors. <laughs> I don't know what that was going to do to the guy, but. And I'd look around and you know what? I can't account for how many times in the midst of the night I'd look, I'd open that room, and I'd see a man on his knees with a hoodie on, has no idea that Isaac is watching. No idea. And I didn't want him to have an idea, and I'd step back. Another night happens, I'd hear a noise. I'd look this time in the bathroom and I'd see a man. And at this point when I'd watch the back of a man, it wasn't watching the back of a man, it was watching the front of a God. A God that he lived for. And I said, if all of this has been good to me, it must be because someone in this house is on their knees. And that taught me to pray in the midst of the night. I'd watch my father begin to travel. And he'd think I didn't hear him. I, 
I'd watch them touch people and I'd see packs of altar calls filled with people crying out to God, accepting Christ Jesus. And I said, what is this regular black man got? What is it? And I was so young and naive in my mind, I couldn't even correlate the fact that God was using him. All I wanted to do was be like that. Whatever it is, whatever he's got, I want that. Because I would see the impact that it would have in lives. And then I'd watch him not just preaching, but I would watch him living outside of the altar because that's where Isaac looked at the most was in Abraham's tent, not the mountain. I'd watch him begin to drum and didn't know it instilled me the very first instrument when I was 14 years old joining the youth ministry. I said, I'll take the drums. Not even knowing subconsciously I chose it because it's what I knew. Because I wanted to be like my Abraham. I'd watch my dad travel and sing. Didn't do that one. <laughs> I tried it. Not my calling. I said, no pa' tanto. <laughs> then I'd watch my, my father's relationship with my mom, somebody I loved, somebody we call pastora, somebody who was on fire for God. And I would see, and I can't tell you, I'm 25 and I'm going crazy. I can't tell you when they fought. Didn't see it. Non-existent. I'm sure they rumbled in the room. My mom's hard-headed. I said it. I got it from you. It's my last day. Say what I want. But I'd watch, and little did I know, I was grabbing notes, learning from Abraham. Buy flowers. Don't fight. Keep your dirty laundry inside. Not physical laundry, people. And years later, God blesses me with a wife doing what he showed me how to do. And I found a wife doing what her parents showed her to do. And I know how to love her. Because Isaac looked at Abraham. What I'm trying to tell you, I won't even tell you just yet. Five more minutes. Can you give me five more minutes and we're, we're gone. I got to go to work too. Five more minutes. I watched him mostly down the altar because that intrigued me more because it was so hard to comprehend the massive movement of God and how does that person act in the bottom? And it impacted me so much so my dad, when I began to travel, would teach me or tell me, this is how you act. This is what's cordial. If someone asks you, do you want to stay? You know how many couches I stayed at? I was scared to stay at a hotel if I ever traveled. Scared. I'm like, church, I'm sorry. No, I'll, where's the pastor's couch? I learned that from Abraham, to be a good steward of the ministry God has given you, to not be a burden because it's not about you. So much so, listen how crazy God is. I was 22, I was in Boston preaching. This, there was an awesome three-day conference, three days. Boom, 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 just God moving. But there was this two people in the back, just stank, stank. It was so hard, I got to focus. I'm like, ah, don't look at them. They're not receiving. I'm like, this is hard. Just stank and just staring at me. But they came all three days. The first day I was like, ah, they won't come tomorrow. They came tomorrow. 
I'm like, what is it with these people? But after, man, we had a good time. I had an extended family. I talked to everybody, and we just enjoyed ourselves. We'd go out to eat, and we'd, we'd have side prayers, you know, because people want to get prayed in the side, too. And we would just do all this. It was awesome. And then when I was leaving on the third day, they said, hey, come here, come here. And it was a couple. And I said, what? And they're like, the reason why we accept, man, I'm telling you, this is crazy. The reason why we accepted Christ, the reason why our life changed this moment is because we wanted to watch you off the stage all three days. They came not to hear the word, not for the worship. They came like Isaacs to look because they were church hurt. And they thought everything was the same and everyone was the same. They said, we watched you. You didn't see us. We watched you in the parking lot. We watched you at the restaurant. Creepy. We watched you everywhere. We watched you everywhere. And that's what saved us. And I can tell you, thank you, Abraham. Because now I understand what it is to carry a ministry the way God has called you to carry a ministry. So much so that this isn't what saves people. Your life is what God says, I will use you as a weapon of righteousness, as an empty vessel, as a marred one. I will turn it again on you. So my question to you today is this. Who's watching you? Who's your Isaac? I don't care if you don't have siblings. I don't care if you don't have children. This isn't about family. Who is your Isaac? Because you are an Abraham. God has destined you to be an Abraham. You've heard it so many times it's distilled in your mind that you have purpose, but you do. You have a greater purpose that surpasses what you're doing right now. And God is trying to wake you up to say, hey, someone is watching and they're relying on your life. They're watching you on the mountaintop. What will you do with that dagger, Abraham? You who run far from me. What will you do when there's an Isaac that's so desperately in need of the call I've placed in your life? But you began to live for yourself. You began to take a season to find yourself when that is not what my gospel is. It's to find me. I am who I say I am. I am the one who changed Abraham to Abraham. I am the one who instilled in him a lineage that will eventually bring forth my son. I am the one who will place a legacy over your life. The last thing I want to share with you is this. As a police officer, one of the things that we tend to do a lot is direct traffic. And I'm sure every time you see a car crash or every time you see some crime scene or something that were to occur and there's so much traffic, we're trying to prevent people from crashing in the same place someone already crashed. So you'll see us out there hours in a day, hours in a time with flares and flashlights and vests saying, go this way. This is the way. That's legacy. Legacy is living a life that will disrupt and interrupt the timeline of somebody else saying, this is not the way. This is where I died. This is where I lost faith. Come on. It's this way. And after Abraham, Isaac comes in. And Isaac says, this is not the way. It's this way. And after Isaac comes Jacob. 
and Jacob says it's not this way it's this way God is calling you to dirt come on somebody God is calling you to be a legacy maker you are an Abraham and there is a generation in need of your direction just last night last night I ran into a girl who was 16 a runaway involved in sex trafficking and I asked her what's your story she tells me her story I ripped the badge and I said okay we're gonna preach a little bit God starts to move in her life and she says I just want to go back back to what home back to sex trafficking why that's all I know do you know how bad I just wanted to grab her and say wake up it's not that way it's this way but I didn't have the time it was in my position it was in my place and God began to speak to me there are Abraham's that are need to live a life so that she can see but where are my Abraham's where are my Abrahams as this 13-year-old, this 14-year-old, this 16-year-old, however old she was, is involved in the last thing that she, she, she should be involved in? In tears on the side of a cop car. I didn't know what to do. What can I do? God said, there's an Abraham for her. There's an Abraham for her. Saying, girl, this isn't the way. This is church. This is church. People that come together and say, this is the way. Dude, I went that way, bro. It didn't work. Dude, my marriage went that way. It didn't work. But if Abrahams aren't directing traffic, how can we be surprised of a generation that keeps crashing? I want you to stand with me. Just lift your hands right there where you are. Because I'm going to pray for a spirit of Abraham. There is an awakening that needs to happen in your life. There is an awakening that needs to happen. You came here for a reason. You came here for a reason. It wasn't for the lights. It wasn't for the cameras. It wasn't just to get dressed. God appointed you to hear this today, to consider yourself worthy enough to be called somebody like Abraham. You watched it. You saw what an Abraham can do. My daughter, I will be a Jacob to my daughter. And my daughter will be a roof to hers. And on and on and on and on. Because my life, even though I lose it in the flesh, even though I die and my bones are in a graveyard, the word of God that's been instilled with me will carry on. This is about our faith, not our life, our faith. Because what does it profit a man? What? What have you gotten from the season of not being Abraham? Miracles and wonders shall follow those who believe and they will happen. 
you will begin to lay hands on people and they will feel the presence of God. You will have moments like I had in my job where you will find an encounter of somebody wrestling with demons, but they say you came to the right place. Why? Because baby, I'm a demon slayer. You don't know where you just walked in because where I go, there is a God that loves. There is an abounding, loving, relentless pursuit of a God that my life will be the very fruits of that. What will your legacy be? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you awaken each and every one of us. That this may be a season of transformation. Lord, as we walk up to the mountain with every single thing that we love and we place it before you on the altar, we are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to answer the call, Lord. Lord, show us that you will make a way where there is no way, Father God. Awaken us, Lord, so that we hunger for you as we once did. Awaken us so that our passion is enlightened, Father God. Lord, in the midst of the night, wake us up with revelation and word. God, in the midst of a night, let us wake up our wife and say, listen, it's time to worship and time to praise. God, in the midst of the night, let us invite your presence in. Let us hunger to read your word and be fed. Let us hunger for opportunities to share your good news. God, let us hunger to be more about the things that you are up to and not what hell is trembling for. God, show us how to be Abraham. God, and teach us how to be obedient. I leave you with this. God is calling you to an act of obedience. Whatever that means in the area that you are in right now today, you know what you have to climb up that mountain with. And it's time. And there will be a time that it's too late. God is always forgiving. But his move continues. I feel like there's healing in this place. Give me a second, Chino. I just want you to lift your hands right there. Jesus, watch what God's going to do right now. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. God is talking to you. He's saying, come forth. I'm going to break you tonight, God said. It ends tonight because I refuse for the legacy to be cut off. I refuse because you were the one called to stop it in your family. Wake up because you were the one. You are Abraham. You are Abraham. You're Abraham. God, you're Abraham. Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, God. We honor you today, God. And we thank you for your word. Let us leave not the same as we entered today. Lord, and from me personally, I thank you. I thank you for a church that loved us loved us, loved us, and continues to. And I can't wait to see what you have planned for all of the Abrahams that stand before me. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Church of God says. Come on, give it up for Pastor Brandon. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Praise the Lord. What a word.